Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Uh, the 12 o'clock hour, Rob Cherry in for Glenn Mack now with Mike Sielski on a Saturday midday. In a few minutes, I'm going to ask you about your latest project. Cool. Mike. So uh, before we get to that, and, and talk about your last project as well, uh, the Kobe book. Yeah, yeah. Which will uh, be back uh, out in paperback soon? Yeah, it's, it's going to be out in paperback come January, January 17th. Um, there's uh, some good stuff ahead related to Kobe in the book um, that I can't get into any details about, but hopefully we'll be able to, to talk about that publicly soon. And uh, it was really a labor of love, the book The Rise, um, that I did about Kobe and his his early life that came out earlier this year. So, and the uh, podcasts thanks. were great, too. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I am Kobe. We got, um, you know, I know your ties to the local basketball scene, Rob. We got our hands on... Uh, tapes of interviews that Kobe did when he was 16, 17, 18 years old uh, that nobody had ever heard before. They were they were kept by a guy who, again, his name is probably familiar to people who are plugged into the local basketball scene, a guy named Jeremy Treatman, who had been a friend of Kobe's when Kobe was in high school, had done some was interviews with him. He was a coach there as well. He was. He was kind of, when Kobe was at Lower Marion, Jeremy was kind of like the media relations guy, he would set up all of Kobe's interviews, and the two of them had tried to do a book together. Uh, it didn't come off, bad timing and a few other reasons, but Jeremy kept these tapes. And were they cassette tapes? <laughs> they were micro cassettes. Right. He had not found them in 20-some years. And as I was doing the research for the book, uh, I, I've known Jeremy a long time. He, he helped me with the book. And then a couple days before Christmas 2020, he was cleaning out his garage and he found the tapes on a shelf in his garage. And so I was able to take them, listen to them, weave that into the book, and then we turn them into this podcast where you can actually hear Kobe talking about his mom and dad and why he jumped to the NBA from high school and him taking Brandy to the senior prom and all kinds of really cool stuff. And it's a fa- and you can still listen to it on podcasts. Yeah, yeah, it's still out there, you know, wherever you get your podcast called I Am Kobe. The book's still in stores, on Amazon, all of that. So, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing it up. I appreciate that. All right, we'll talk about the uh, the new book in a couple of minutes. Let's get uh, run through some calls here. Doug in Coatesville, you're 94 WIP. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, hey, Mike, just to start, I wanted to say I often would tune in Saturdays uh, because of Ray and his professorial kind of vibe and – you sliding in and kind of keeping a very similar vibe really has been a, a, a difficult task. And congratulations on doing a great job on that so far. That's very kind of you to say, Doug. Thanks. Um, Ray's got, as I said, the first show, Ray's got Bob Lanier size sneakers 
and my feet are 23s. only 23s. Those are 23s. Yeah, my feet are only a size 9. So, um I'm just going to be me and uh I appreciate that very much. Uh, not a problem. You put, they, I think your shoes have probably grown to a 10 and a half so far. <laughs> That's nice of you to say. So I was actually calling your question you posed about other sports that could be covered or things like that. I um, hits me. Sometimes I'll be listening, and I often listen to the afternoon show with Reese and Marks driving home from work, or I would tune in Saturday. And sometimes it just seems like we're repeating the same things about the Eagles and the major three sports. Um, and then the, the earlier caller mentioned bringing in the union, which is great, but the focus there is all pro sports. And I think there are a lot of sports fans that enjoy their college sports. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got a lot of great colleges in Philly. And if we spread it to, you know, Penn state or even Pittsburgh, there's a ton that's going on. that could be a, probably would make a segment. I don't know if there'd be enough interest to keep it going, but I think it'd be something worth looking at of having a, you know, different things going on in our local sports teams that aren't the the five pro teams and looking at the college sports. Doug, I think you make a great no, I think you make a great point, particularly about college sports and I would say particularly about Penn State. Penn State I, football. Yeah, yeah. I think the we undersell both at the station and certainly I think at the Inquirer, not that not that the people who have covered Penn State over the years for the Inquirer did a poor job, to the contrary. But I think in some ways the coverage of Penn State suffers for the overwhelming interest in the Eagles, um, that there's only so many resources a place like the Inquirer has to be able to devote to Penn State football. But man, there are a ton of devoted Penn State football fans in the Delaware Valley, and it probably does warrant more attention. Penn State had a, a, a lot of run, a lot of uh, championship runs under Joe Paterno. I think they won two national championships, mm-hmm. played for at least one or two others. Yep. yep. Uh, not quite as much, obviously, under James Franklin. Yeah, no, but still very, very popular. Um, still a national program that, that commands some attention in that regard. And I think Doug's other point about the college sports um, – I think that was probably truer early in an earlier time where um, people who grew up in Philadelphia, they grew up with the Big Five, they might have moved outside the city but kept that connection to the city in a way that people growing up, I grew up you know, in Upper Dublin Township technically, but like Glenside, Jenkintown, that kind of area, a lot of college basketball fans there, but as people move in from other parts of the country as the the circle kind of gets wider and wider the the interest in the big five i think is diffused a little bit the rivalries aren't as heated as they once were and well, it's you also, one-sided yeah i mean the, the other factor is and i've kidded him about this uh and i've said it in print jay wright killed the big five he did because he, he brought t- it back together because he brought the round robin back but destroyed everybody yeah and it just took villanova to a level that the other four programs and, and even drexel aren't at so um you know do i think we should talk about that stuff more i would love to um the question is whether it drives interest in readers and listeners and all of that stuff i think around march madness it does but other than that it doesn't seem to and it's because there's just it's a one-team big fight and i love temple i went to temple love LaSalle basketball but Mm -hmm. it's been all villanova lately yeah it really has um and you know to me a really fascinating story to follow this coming year is going to be 
how Kyle Neptune fares as Villanova's head coach and the transition that Nova makes from the J era to whatever is to come. Or you could just go back to your old school, friend of you're returning to LaSalle. How about it? It's uh, it, Again, it's going to be interesting to uh, to watch what Dumpf does. I mean, he's the third time he's been a Big Five head coach uh, in one of the programs in the city. And uh, uh, I know there's renewed optimism because yeah. everybody has the utmost respect for, for Dumpf. Um, but it's going to be a challenge uh, at my alma mater. It I is. would think so. Yeah. Uh, Nick in Collegeville. Nick, you're a 90 for WIP. Mike, Angry Rob, how you guys doing? Great, Nick. So real quick, uh, Villanova. I mean, it's an important season for Villanova because, look, at the end of the day, it's a very small school, and it was Jay Wright and the wins they had in the last five, six, seven years that kept them in basically the top five eyeballs of the nation. If under this new coach they have an average, a below-average season, Villanova might just be forgotten when it comes to freshmen looking for a smaller school on a big time platform so this is important for them yeah it's it's like i said it's going to be interesting to see how kyle handles this what he keeps from what jay did what he learned from jay uh and and where he might take the program moving forward um because you're right in some ways it's kind of ironic nick the national profile of villanova was in some ways higher than the local always profile. higher yeah. oh it's always been higher i mean it's unbelievable how much higher the inter- the national profile is but anyway i called real quick you said uh mayor of east town earlier you guys said that Mm-hmm. I mean, if it wasn't for what's her name as the lead actress, it, it was just a you know a slightly above average crime story. In well, I loved it. I don't know why, but I Listen, loved it. I, I, I know you. Go ahead. I mean, ahead. I can name five other ones that are about the same or better, like Broad Church. I know it's English. I know Glenn is a big England a great mm-hmm. um, great crime guy, but it, it's it was good. I'm not, I, I don't want. I don't want to say it was great. It was good. I mean, I can see how you would love it because you have. We have a little more natural bias. I live in Delaware County and all that, but mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Kate Winslet fan too. Yeah, I'm a big Kate fan, mm-hmm. and and she did a great job. But yeah, like I said I can name five off the top of my head that are crime dramas as good or better. Gotcha. But um, now your philosophy of just punt returner. Yes, I get that. Listen, I get that on paper. But how about this? Let me give you this scenario: the uh, the Eagles' opponent are backed up and they're on their two yard line. They have to punt. You're putting a guy out there just to field it so it doesn't roll 80 yards and then you're inside your own 20? Or do you do you just go, no, never, Chip Kelly, like, we never use this guy ever, doesn't matter the circumstance? I think you would have to have the right guy to do it, and that's kind of why I bring it up, is that I'm not sure that the Eagles do. Um, it's one of the trickier, more challenging roles to be filled on a team. Um, yeah. you, you can't just throw anybody back there and say, well, no, just catch, tried the, that, right? yeah, just catch Bloom, the ball Bloom from the Olympics. Right. Exactly. Right. So, um, look, could that theoretically happen? It absolutely could. And it might be a chance that if a team wants to get creative, it's got to take what's interesting about it, Nick, is there, there's a coach in high school. I forget exactly what part of the country, but he's, he's one of the top high school coaches, uh, in, in the nation. His program is great. And he has never put a punt returner back there for this very I have, reason. I got to check that out. Yeah, um, yeah but, but you know what? Your point about yeah. when you're pinned in the end, in the end on the two yard line, you got to put. You have to have a punt returner. You I can't agree. let it bounce fifty yards or forty yards. But whatever. you can't change the field position on, yeah. on just. On, it's like it's like roulette. You're rolling. You're rolling. The, you're actually like dice. You're rolling the dice to see who gets the better bounce. But here's my here's my union thing. I sure. love soccer. I played soccer. My, I was in a state championship game when I was a senior, a, a junior in my high school. So I love soccer. Um, 
but I don't watch a union. I've been down there for games. I bring my wife because I'm literally seven minutes away from the stadium. Mm-hmm. I'm in Brookhaven. So it's great to go down there. The guy was right. It's always packed. But, like, if you watch if you watch MLS or, or any type of international soccer, like you're talking, you know, Division two school or three school versus pro football. It, it's it's a whole different thing. So. Cool. And, and what do people talk about soccer? I love it. But what I do people it. talk about? What do they discuss about soccer? You know, games? that's the whole thing. Like, like we can X and O. You guys have been X and Oing football for the last three months. All right, which is absurd in my opinion. But anyway, you can do it and get callers <laughs> all day long. Doesn't matter if it's a Tuesday rainy in February or a summer hot day in July. But what are you going to do with soccer, even hockey? That's why it doesn't get covered. It's like, oh, the blue line. You know, they got to hold the blue line more. Uh, you know, there's too much of a gap between the offensive line and your, your two defenders. Like, what, what are we going to say? Like, you can't. Yeah. That, so. Nick, thanks. Thanks, Nick. That's a, that's a great call. Um, that's and a great a good, point. A great yeah. point. Yeah. And, um, right, like, where's the controversy, right? Like, the union are really good, but we can't – I certainly am not equipped to break down a soccer match in the way that I could have been. Is anybody? Game. Is that even the people to go to the games? What are they going to – if you want to call, great, but what do you – what's the – just yeah. of the phone call. Yeah, they had a great game today. Great chance in the stands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great. That's a great point. Talk radio does thrive and rely on things that you can debate and discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, just to, to Kevin's uh, um, Nick's point. Excuse me. Um, the coach I was referring to is named Kevin Kelly. He's been a longtime coach at Pulaski Academy in Little Rock, Arkansas. He's been written about nationally. He was on HBO's Real Sports and. While Nick makes a great point about what happens if you're pinned deep and you let the, the, the other team punts the ball away and you let it roll, Kelly's argument is on average um, it'll all even out, that often the ball will bounce forward. In, in, in totality, you're really not losing that much in terms of field position. This guy has a good record? He's one of the top coaches in the country. Right. But again, it's high school and it's I admit it's outside the box, and I'm just saying that with the Eagles as they are now, if they had Deshaun, Wa- Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Jackson in their prime, I wouldn't be arguing this. They don't have a great punt returner, so something they ought to think about. All right, before we uh, break here, let's let me ask you about the, your latest project you're working on. Sure. So I, I um, just signed a contract to be able to work on a new book, um, and it's going to be all about the history or a history of the slam dunk. Uh, the slam dunk, or just the dunk, or just the dunk. You right, know, the right. idea of kind of tracing basketball through that shot. For instance, the first official dunk in the game is supposed to have taken place at the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, kind of as a, in a way, like a gesture to Adolf Hitler. You get into Wilt. Wow. Yeah, Wilt and Russell um, and playing above the rim and the NCAA's ban of it. For, 19, it was like three years, right? Ten years. 1967 to 77. And it was banned because of... Because of Lou Alcindor. Yeah. Um, because... It was too easy for him. Yeah. Yeah. And probably some other reasons, too, that we could get into. Um, but then you get into Dr. J and Michael Jordan and the 1988 Slam Dunk Contest, which is the seminal moment in NBA history. Which Jordan really, and Dominique? Dominique Wilkins, yeah. who I just talked to yesterday, Dominique. Um, and he was great remembering that, that contest. But... All that kind of stuff. Five Slam Jamma and the 83 Final Four and John ja Morant nowadays and the fact that the three-point shot has become cooler than the dunk in a lot of ways. There's a whole deep kind of fun history 
with the dunk and with basketball and with kind of the way America has changed over time. So I'm going to take the next year and write this book and hopefully people find it fun. Who are the, uh, some of the people you're talking to or uh, hope to talk to? I've, I've spoken to Dominique Wilkins. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Julius Irving. Uh, I'm planning to do some traveling for the research, hopefully get to Memphis to talk to John Morant, um, get to some Sixers games, talk to some people from the past. Uh, as I mentioned, the first dunk being in the 1936 Olympics was by a guy named Joe Fortenberry, who grew up in Texas. His son still lives down there and apparently loves talking about his dad. Um, so I'm going to go down to Amarillo, Texas to, to interview uh, Joe's son. Uh, so this is kind of the fun thing to do with the, with the book project. You get to go where you want to go and, and take it in whatever direction you want to. It was before the NBA, 1936. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in the gold medal game of the 36 Summer Olympics. Any Harlem Globetrotters? Oh, there'll be some. There'll yeah. be some Globetrotters. There'll be some, you know, a lot of Philly ties to to things like this. You know, who was a great basketball player and who played above the rim before he debuted with the Brooklyn Dodgers? Jackie Robinson. I thought you were going to say Sandy Koufax because Sandy Him was too. actually a pretty good player too. Sandy, I, I got a text message from a dear friend of mine who said you got to include Koufax in this book because uh, he could he could throw it down too. Good luck uh, getting him to talk. Yeah, though. that'll yeah. be like you know, um, that's like trying to find what JD Salinger or something. Like yeah, that. <laughs> basically, well, that's a, this sounds like a great project. When when do you expect to have it uh, published? I'm hoping to have it finished uh, sometime next year and it'll be out in 2024. Nice, nice. So, thanks. Rob Cherry in for Glenn Mack now with Mike Sielski, 215-592-9494, WIP Sports Time, 1221. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? (coughs) Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now with the mlb app you can get baseball 
your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. 215-9494. I'm Rob Cherry. In for Glenn Macdow with Mike Sealski today in the Midday Show. At uh, 1 o'clock today, the Go Birds. And at 3, at three o'clock, leading off, and then 3.30 is Phillies on deck and then uh, Phillies baseball today. In San Francisco against the Giants, Noah Syndergaard versus Jacob Junis. Phillies lost last night 13-1 to in San Francisco. Not the good. They had a terrible start to this road trip, and the first game against the Giants was rather pathetic as well. 13-1 loss last night. So if you didn't stay up or you didn't have Apple TV or didn't listen on the radio last night, you didn't miss anything. It was just an awful, awful situation. All right, 215-592-9494. Let's get uh, some phone calls in here. Danny on the cell. You're on 94 WIP. Hey, what's going on, man? Good to be with you guys. Hi, Danny. Uh, so I want to give my prediction. I really think if we don't win 13 or 14 games this year for the Eagles, it's going to be a disappointment. 13 or 14? Wow. Uh, I mean, well, 12 or 13 is what I meant to say. But I think they should be in the running to host the NFC Championship game. I mean, you should sweep Washington. You should sweep New York. Even if you split it with the Giants, you should win the division. That gets you at least one game. But this schedule is weak. And I know we talked a lot about the Dream Team today and how it didn't pan out. But with the talent they added, if you're not pushing at the end of the season to be the number one seed, to have a, a, a buy-in playoffs and possibly host the NFC Championship game, I think it's a disappointment. You didn't go out and spend the money you spent and make the moves that you made to do anything less than that, I don't think. You know, it's interesting, Danny. I think um, I, I think – you are correct to a degree. I wouldn't go as quite as far as you are in terms of the optimism. I'm optimis- optimistic about them, too. I, I think they should win 12 games this season. I think anything beyond that is kind of pushing it just because um, the three— and again, we've been we've been talking about this for weeks now because of the moves they made in the offseason. The three big questions are Jalen Hurts, Jonathan Gannon, and Nick Sirianni. Um, and I do think there's a continuity question there too, Rob. I think that, you know, it is going to take a little time for the new acquisitions to assimilate into the offense and the defense and for, you know, Gannon to get it, you know, a really good sense of how he wants to, de- de- to deploy some of these players, Hassan Reddick in particular. Um, so we'll see. But Shouldn't that some of that stuff been done in the preseason though? Well, in a preseason game maybe? They're, because of the, they're all new? They're, they're, doing, new. they're doing that uh, – I mean, look, they're they're doing that at practice. They're doing that at walkthroughs. They would argue that you don't need to do those kinds of things very much in a game. And I'm inclined to agree with them only because now the regular season is up to 17 games. Um, it's going to continue climbing. You know, the, the uh, CBA is going to expire in, what, seven or eight years, and we're going to get at least an 18-game season, if not more than that, I think. And so... The preseason games themselves are going to become less and less relevant. Players aren't going to want to play in them. Coaches don't see them as as useful as, as in the way that they. Well, what about did. regular season? You mean you just can just throw a regular season game away because the, the team's not ready or they they just need acclimate? Nobody's going to be ready. It's just yeah. going to be a matter of of 
you know, who's less ready than, than yeah. the other team um, because the NFL wants to make money and it's, you know, it's going to keep expanding the regular season and unless the players themselves to push back. Imagine what happens if the defense plays lousy in Detroit and they lose because of that. Yeah. Yeah, oh, believe How me. people are going to react like, why didn't these guys play in the preseason? Why were we fooled again by a dream team defense that can't play together? Yeah, but there are 16 games to go after that. You're right. I think that's exactly what the reaction will be. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, not because I think that the Eagles will be super prepared for the Lions one. aren't that good. I just don't think the Lions yeah. are very good. Um, and so uh, we'll see. But you're right. Like, that always happens. They they lose the op- If they lose the opener, um, people are... are apoplectic over it um but i don't think they're going to lose the opener i think they're going to be fine at least week one i would agree uh ruben in germantown wants to talk about the opener ruben you're on 94 wip how's it going fellas how's everything great ruben how are you i'm hanging in there yeah i'm going out there uh friday i'm going to the game out detroit oh really Uh, driving yeah yeah we're going we're going the fellas we're going to do a road trip out there you're going to see any place on the way or is there somewhere Uh, in in the detroit area you're going to check out well, we definitely going to check out Hitsville with Motown, with Temptations, and everybody at the studio. They put their tracks down. We're going to do that. And then we're going to probably try to go to the what's that the famous uh, Ford uh, factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to check out a few things out there. Yeah, there's a there's a famous and terrific pizzeria. Um, in Detroit. In, in Detroit. Um, I want to say Supino, I think. Um, it was featured on the Food Network. It's supposed to be really, really good. So um, I might be getting their name wrong, but if you get a chance to Google it, uh, find it well, and check we're it out. Sta- we're standing, I think it's called Livonia. Is it Livonia? I got to okay. look at it. It's, it's like outside. Well, it's, it's, the stadium is like 16 minutes from where okay. we're standing at. Well, my question to you guys is, uh, like, I guess you touched on it a little bit about the practice. Um, do you have any concerns? Like like a, like a possibly upset or anything. I mean, I don't I don't see it, but like, what would be your concerns if that was to happen? Well, I mean, my concerns would be it's week one of the NFL season and anything can happen. Um, yeah, because there, there's there's really no identity, right? Right. You, we we don't know much about these teams yet. Um, you know, I mean, look look at it this way. Go back to week one last year, and the Eagles absolutely destroyed the Falcons, thirty two to three. And at the time. I think it was 32-3, maybe 32-6, actually. But anyway, at the time, the narrative was, oh, okay, well, the Falcons are going to be terrible. We know they're going to be terrible. They're proving that they're going to be terrible. And what ended up happening was the Falcons were a little bit better than people thought they were going to be. This is a no-win situation. If they lose, it's like they're not prepared. If they win, it's like the Lions stink. Right. Yeah, it's exactly right. So well, I, I'm, I'm, think, I'm trying to think back, because I, I went to that game, too, last year when they opened up against the Falcons, and I think they were underdogs. It, it was like two and a half, right? No, it was three, and then at game time, it dropped to like two and a half. Yeah, and and look, the Eagles weren't as good as they looked that first week either. Um, right. You know, and it it's week one. It's week one, and and I'm it's a. The, it's, it's the it's the hard not to scare me, man. Yeah, not I think I think, me, but it's just you know. It, no, it Ruben, I toes. think I think you're 100 percent right about that. I think people who really pay attention to football are watching hard knocks and they're learning. Here's what it is, though, Rob. They're learning. They think they're learning something about the Lions that they're not seeing from the Eagles. They feel like they're getting an inside look at the Lions, and we don't have an inside look at the Eagles. The so Lions are working harder. Yeah. They're not taking this for granted. The Eagles are just like, oh, we don't need to uh, well, play anybody in our preseason games. There, it's it's You are able to see it on video that the Lions are working hard, and you are not able to see it with the Eagles. doesn't mean the Eagles aren't working hard. I have no doubt that they are. But the, the visual of it and the story of it resonates with people in a way that 
It can't because the Eagles aren't on hard knocks. Well, I'm not watching hard knocks, so neither am I. I guess I'm not scared. <laughs> I'm, I'm I because I keep hearing people bring it up. I'm mm-hmm. Like, well, it's it's hard knocks. Yeah, it's not like you know. Yeah. Um, look, there are a lot of teams that aren't on hard knocks that are going to be better than than the Detroit Lions. Detroit will be. is does not know how to win. Nah. They're going to have to prove they know how to win before I, you get scared yeah. of them. Yeah. Steven Bristol, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, Mike, you're going to do the book on a dunk, right? Uh, that's that's the plan. You're gonna you're gonna include the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in that. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, spell this out for me. Connie Hawkins is the Father. Uh, I'm already. I just said to Rob during the break, Steve. I am in the midst of reading Connie's uh, book, uh, Foul, that right. he that he co-wrote in the '70s, uh, and I've already reached out to members of his family. I'm looking forward to doing well, a deep dive on Connie. Well, the thing with Connie Hawkins, Julius Serving, and, and Jordan, Jordan. The only thing they yep. had, had in common was Julius Irving. Idol was Connie Hawkins. Mm-hmm. He tried to pattern his game against them. They played occasionally, and they're, they're a big age difference. But uh, Doc said, "I can't be him mm-hmm. because he's big." He, here's the guy who's almost six nine, yeah. could fly. And the only the only story I ever heard about him is when he finally made it in the NBA. It was the Suns against the Lakers? Mm-hmm. He, he did a sky hook dunk on Wilt, hmm. and they were coming down on the court. And Will said, "Do that again, and I'll kill you." <laughs> and and Connie Hawkins says he knew Will from New York, and when Will tells you something, and and they asked Will later, what, "What what did you do to shut Connie down?" I just told him to stop. So wait a second. So he never did it again. He he didn't dunk on Will at all in the, in the playoff series. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do a deep dive into this into this anecdote to find out uh, if the, it's true. The funny thing is, with Connie Hawkins was he always felt what's the word abandoned. Yes. Because he was suspended in yep. his prime time. Yep. Yeah. He, he was always trying to make up for it. And Will told him, he says, if you're going to make me look bad, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> it was as simple as that. He said, I know you got a big chip on your shoulder because they kept you out of pro basketball, but I wasn't the guy that did it. Yeah. You did it for yourself. Yeah. Well, trust me, Steve. Connie's going to be a big part of the book. I've only just begun the research. Um, I got more than a year to work on it. So I, I really appreciate the interest. Um, and, uh, you know, all will be revealed in 2024 when I finally publish this thing. Vince in South Philly, you're on 94 WIP. Hi, guys. Good afternoon. Um, Mike, real quick, uh, I don't know how you take this. If you ever co- uh, hosted a show with Robbie E., I don't think I could tell you guys apart. You sound so much alike. <laughs> wow. But uh, <laughs> No, I think it's just me talking a lot. No, uh, no not at all. Um, regarding Jalen Hurts and, the pro- and his progress, um, I have to go back to last year's Tampa Bay game. Now, what I'm about to say isn't going to change the outcome or the result or whatever, but to me, to this day, it still bothers me that they deferred the kickoff. And I'm saying, you've got to be kidding me. You know, you give the, you know, the opening possession to Tom Brady. I'm thinking this is the, the one time you don't do that. And, and then, you know, a short time later, it's 31 nothing, and that's the ball game. To me, I could say the game still could have ended 31-15, to but on a different level. In other words, like, say if uh, – you know, they didn't defer the kickoff. Okay, you could, there could be somewhat of a competitive situation still going on. And I was envisioning, say, uh, Tampa goes up, like, say, 24 to 7 in the third quarter, and then um, Hertz drives them down, and they, you know, converts a two point conversion after the touchdown, and all of a sudden it's 24 to 15. In other words, you see how he reacts under different points of the game, and then Tampa scores the touchdown to make it 31 to 15 at the game, at the end. Now, obviously, it doesn't impact, uh, you know, 
whether they would have won or not. But the point is you would have gotten to see Hertz under different game conditions, and then you would have had a better idea, okay, here's what he does well, and here are what here's what he doesn't do well. Well, well I would say this, Vince. Um, if memory serves me correctly, the Bucks got the ball to start the game, drove the field, and scored a touchdown. Easily. Easily. And the Eagles went three and out. So you learned a little something about Jalen Hurts right there, too, and, and, and their readiness for a game like that. Um, Maybe he was feeling the pressure because he's already behind 7 nothing. You, you never know. He did not have a good day that no. day, um, and they struggled to run the ball against Tampa's front. They got, they got out everything against the Buccaneers. But that maybe day. it's different if they get the ball first and move down the field maybe, a little bit. Maybe, maybe. Those first round games throughout the NFL playoffs last year were very one sided. Um, it was the first year that the I think that the league had expanded the playoffs, yeah. um, gone to seven teams in each conference. And those those first round as great well, That's why as, the Eagles made the playoffs. Right. And as great as those second round and championship games were, I mean you're talking about the Chiefs well, Bills classics. game. You know, all of them were tremendous. Those first round games were completely one sided. So, look, we can debate all we want. Should the Eagles have deferred? Should they not have deferred? The Buccaneers were a much better team than them last year. It would have been stunning if the Eagles had gone into Tampa and won that game. What's funny is usually it's the wild card weekend that's got the better games, and the second weekend they're blowouts because you have a wild card team going against the division champ. Right, exactly. You, you, you've got the second seed playing yeah. the first weekend uh, because only the, the top seed gets the bye. So, um, look, I think to a degree we can make too much of that one game, but it did show how far – away the Eagles were at that time from genuinely competing, you know, to be one of the top teams in the conference. Ed and Upper Darby, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, Rob, I used to talk to you back in the day about the Sixers and all that and all that. What do you think about the Sixers this year and all? Uh, what do you think, how these are going to perform? Um, I'm I'm a skeptic about the Sixers. Even with all the improvements they made, you're going to have to prove right. that, that James Harden really is coming to play this year. Right, right. And they were my favorite Philly team. But you know my favorite? I'm talking pretty My favorite Philly team now is the Philadelphia Union. I'm going to the, the 10th game next week against Orlando City. But I think that's the mo- that building is the most a- a- athletic atmosphere ever. I mean, that, that, they, sons of Ben, they never stop. They never shut up. I mean, that's the, that's the electricity over there is unbelievable. If you've ever been to a Union game, it's unreal. And I believe they, if they, they're going to win the championship, then you definitely deserve a parade. It's, it's they're just so good. Yeah, you know that's what got people interested in the Flyers back in the late, the, the early seventies, right? Is that it? It was the style of play. It the was Broad Street the bullies. Broad Street Bullies, and it was success. It was Philly's foray into a major sport and a major sports league. It had not happened before, and it didn't take the Flyers long to become a dominant and different kind of team. Now, is this happening with the Union? They're, they've been dominant this season. They're, they're terrific. As we said earlier, Ed, every indication is the atmosphere uh, at that stadium in Chester is just incredible. It's uh, unbelievable. It's like the know. building is shaking and all that. But real quick on uh, the Eagles, I think they're going to lose week one. I really do because I think Detroit played pretty well last year at the end and all that. But you know, I think the Eagles are going to have a good year. But I just think that I have them losing week one against Detroit. Uh, I don't know how you feel about uh, yeah, it. Yeah, you know. Jared Goff doesn't scare me um, as an opposing quarterback. I, I don't see what the Lions have. And again, could be wrong. As we said, it's week one. Anything can happen. But I don't see where the Lions are the kind of team that can pull off that kind of upset from a scheme standpoint. There's nothing about them where I go, 
well, they've got this creative offensive mind or they've got this quarterback who can pick you apart. They, they, they don't scare me. They found ways to lose last year, and I don't know that they've found, they know how to win yet. Yeah, I and think that's – you've been saying that about the Lions for 50 years. and I think, They've never been in a Super Bowl. I don't no. even think they've been in a conference championship game. Maybe once? I think once in the Barry Dallas, Sanders. Against Dallas, maybe? Uh, they beat Dallas, and I think they got killed by the Packers, I want to say. Right. I, I forget. Um, sometime in the early 90s. That's they, hard to do. Yeah. Not, not even be in, in 50, what, 55 years Super Bowls? Yeah. They've never, never been in one. No. Them and the Browns, right? The Browns have never been in a Super Bowl. The, but Yeah, but the Browns haven't been around that long. Well, I mean, the Browns were winning no, championships no, no, no. in the, the early— Cle- The Cleveland Browns became the Cleveland—they moved to Baltimore. That team went to the two Super okay, Bowls. Okay, all right, all right. The, the original Cleveland Browns are somewhere else. The, these Browns started in, what, 1999? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, I, so I was that, even thinking of them in terms of, like, the Bernie Kosar Browns, you know. That wasn't even them either. Yeah. That was the one that moved to Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's difficult for a team to be in the league as long as the Lions are never in a Super Bowl. True, right. true. We come back, I want to get your all-time— Top five or, or starting lineup for LaSalle. Okay. All time LaSalle because you're a LaSalle guy. We need more explorer discussion here. We do. 215-592-9494 WIP Sports Time 12. All right, Rob Cherry in for Glenn Macknell today with Mike Sealski. And Mike is a proud LaSalle grad. Class of uh ninety five? Uh ninety seven. Ninety seven. Close. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not bad. So not they, bad. they were they were already falling on lean time so while you were there. So yeah, the um I started there my freshman year was the fall of 1993, and LaSalle was in the Midwestern Collegiate Conference. What the hell was that? That was a league uh, that supposedly was going to expand to get some Eastern area teams to play basketball there, but those things fell through. Those moves fell through. Who were the teams in that league? Uh, well, you had some juggernauts. Western uh, Wright State? Wright State. Right. (laughs) Detroit Mercy. Right. Illinois, Illinois Chicago. Loyola Chicago. Which were big draws at the Gola, I'm sure. Oh, huge. huge. Well, the Gola hadn't been built yet when I went there. So, so I would, the... we would go to the Civic Center, and it was like being at the bottom. It was like covering a basketball game or watching a basketball game at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. I, I mean, saw Sean Bradley play BYU, got out, played by Milko Leverse at the uh, Civic Center once. I, I once covered a game. I tell this story all the time, and I've told it to, to him. I covered a game once there as a, as a college student and sat next to Dick Girardi from the Daily News. And the Civic Center was so empty for the game that DJ looked around and said to me, you know, if you took everybody in this arena and put them on the floor, nobody would get called for three seconds. <laughs> and he was right. DJ had some good lines. He did. He did. So, yeah, lean times for the Explorers then. And, uh, you know, as as we mentioned earlier, and I can't believe we're spending this much time talking about LaSalle basketball, but uh, uh, we're hopeful, you know, LaSalle alumni everywhere are hopeful that Fran Dunphy can – Kind of stabilize things and maybe hopefully turn the program right. around. We'll as, a, as an historian, give me your all-time LaSalle starting five. Okay, so this is just me. This is mine. Um, I think LaSalle's history in college basketball and in the city gets underrated a little bit. So you got to start with Tom Gola, still the NCAA's all-time career leading rebounder. Record that will probably never yeah. be broken. Uh, you got to go with the L train. Lionel Simmons scored 3,000 points, third leading scorer in NCAA history. Got to go with Michael Brooks, National Player of the Year in 1980. Again, gets forgotten. Uh, tragically uh, passed away five years ago. Uh, excuse me, six years ago. Uh, Kenny Durrett, part of the greatest Big Five team, or one of the greatest Big Five teams of all time, the 68-69 LaSalle team. My favorite team. ever team. My favorite team ever. Went 23-1, and 
could not play in the NCAA tournament because of NCAA violations from the previous head coach, but would have given UCLA a run for its and money. the coach of that team was Gola, correct? Tom Gola yeah. came back and saved the program, basically. Uh, Dunphy was on that team. Uh, was a bench player. And then personal favorite of mine, uh, a guy who not a lot of people probably remember, but should be remembered as a great, great offensive player, one of the all-time best in city history, Kareem Towns, who played when I was there uh, at LaSalle, still holds the Big Five single-game scoring record, scored 52 points in one game. And it happened during a week where there was a snowstorm, so there was nobody in the Civic Center to see this happen. Who did they play? I think it was Loyola of Chicago, and he scored 52 points in a single game for the Big Five scoring record. Uh, and if you were at this game, you should. I hope you still have held on to your ticket stub all these years later, because if there were 300 people in the gym that night, that might be an overestimate. So, right, there I, you I, go. I had two different ones. I had Joe Bryant on my on my okay. five. Good one. Kobe's father sure. and uh, Larry Cannon. Ah, yeah, another played. member of the '68 '69 team. Great, great offensive player. Is a great. Uh, he was a point like a six-five point guard back yep. then. Yeah, that that '68 '69 team was just amazing. Fatty Taylor and Bernie Williams and and as we said, Durrett and and Cannon and Dunphy coming off the bench and he was going to be a senior the following year. He was a terrific player. Um, and I love I love talking about the city's college basketball history. I'm I'm just a, a geek for it. So uh, thanks for. Indulging me here. There you go. Uh, and LaSalle was my favorite team as a kid because yeah. I was sort of in the neighborhood in Fern Rock. Yeah, and, and and like I said earlier, you know, as great as Jay Wright was at Villanova and as high as he raised the level of that program, um, it did contribute to kind of the, the, the de-emphasizing of the Big Five. Um, and Jay gets it. Jay always got it in a way that – um, not a lot of coaches do when it comes to the history of bas- college basketball in the city. He he was weaned on it. He grew up on it. Totally got it. Um, but he just took Villanova to a place that these other programs haven't gotten to. And he's a Hall of Famer now. As That's of amazing. last year. Yeah. Uh, last question I want to ask you about because we got we got to make room for the next show for uh, the uh, uh, guys at uh, Parks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sixers are they as cl- the Sixers as close to a championship as they think they are, or are they? delusional and even thinking they've been close for several years i i don't know how close they are i don't have a problem with what they did this offseason signing pj tucker and making the other changes that they made because they don't really have they didn't really have another choice you know once you go kind of all in so to speak on james harden you got to make a play for right now and joel Embiid is in his prime you've got to try to take advantage of that tyrese maxey seems to be an emerging star you've got to try to kind of catch that wave as well um, but I'm not sure if they're closer. Um, they took a big swing with some of the signings and the trades they made to get Melton and guys like that. We'll see, but uh, you know, I feel about them kind of the way I feel about the Phillies in September. All the skepticism uh, that surrounds them is warranted until they prove us wrong. Right, what is the uh, next column you're working on? Uh, got When's couple, it coming out? Uh, I got a couple things in in the hopper. There's uh, one coming out about Hassan Reddick, you know, local guy, grew up in Camden, went to Temple. Kind of to me, he's the guy who holds Jonathan Gannon's future in his hands. If Gannon can't figure out how to unleash Reddick as a pass rusher and use him in the right ways, um, this defense is going to be what Eagles fans and the Eagles themselves want it to be. And when is that coming out? Uh, probably this weekend, I think. Right. Maybe maybe 
sometime early next week. And you part of the Inquirer's Eagles preview? I will be, yep, I will be in Detroit, just like uh, uh, Caller mentioned earlier, uh, heading out there f- to, to cover the season opener next week. And is there like a panel of people that make their picks each week, too? Uh, Are you part of that? I am not part of that. We stopped making picks a couple of years ago. Um, we do do more coverage of gambling um but i don't make picks nobody should follow any any pick that i make uh in any sport um so you know i'm not sure how much we do with that on our website now on inquire.com we do um you know cover gambling a little bit more than we once did all right it's mike sioski you'll be back next week uh same time with glenn glenn will be back as well yep looking forward to it as usual fun working today yeah absolutely thanks uh, we will uh, Phillies baseball today at four o'clock. Uh, Kyle Quinn was our producer. WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching thirty seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in thirty seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.